Welcome to it, everyone. It's episode number 40 of Husker Sports Weekly for you today, and we have got more spring football to talk about leading up into the spring football game on May 1st, especially with the open practice that occurred this past Saturday. We will talk about the Husker volleyball game and their loss to Texas as their season came to an end in Omaha today. We'll touch on that later in the episode. We'll also touch on baseball uh, and their first place standing in the Big Ten. And later in the episode, we'll touch on some Husker basketball as well with some more news that has popped up. But before we get into any of that, you should know who you're listening to. My name is Connor Clark, along with Grant Hansen, as always. And we have another very special guest joining us today to help us out with today's episode. Joining us this week is someone that many Husker fans know well. He's another alumnus of the University of Nebraska, a former writer for the Daily Nebraskan, and current publisher of Husker Online. You can also see him doing work for KETV in Omaha as well as NET, and a little bit of radio action on KFAB 1110 in Omaha. We're proud to welcome Sean Callahan to Husker Sports Weekly. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Pretty doing great. Good. Pretty great. Thank you for so much for joining us. Uh, you know, most of the show we're going to be – drilling down on some of that spring uh, football action, open practice on Saturday. But I wanted to get your thoughts first on a little bit of baseball. Huskers are 18-6, and six, first in the Big Ten, just swept Penn State a week ago in a series that was just about as sloppy as the camera angles uh, and video quality. Uh, but your thoughts on Nebraska sweeping Penn State, still unranked. Uh, how much further does this team have to, get to, have to go till they get in that ranked territory? Yeah, first of all, we got uh, video coverage this weekend from the 2004 Big Ten Network camera crew. So that was that was always awesome to see uh, the <laughs> the lower level of technology of that <laughs> broadcast. But um, yeah, wa- watching this weekend, um, they kind of did what they did. I mean, what's the sl- slogan Will Bolt has? Gritty uh, beats pretty is, is the one that's become uh, famous here this season. And uh, Penn State made a couple of mistakes, and Nebraska capitalized just took advantage of that on Friday and it carried over through the rest of the weekend and 18 and six. I don't think anybody would have expected that quite of a start just because it hasn't happened in a long time at Nebraska. Um, and I'll be honest when Nebraska was picked, not in the top six of the conference coaches poll, that kind of got my attention a little bit. Um, because you know, I, I was I never thought Nebraska would be 18 and six, but I'm like, gosh, I would thought they were a top six team in the league because I know Will Bolt. I know the guys he has on that staff. I know the players they're bringing in. And I don't see that in the other teams in this conference right now. So that surprised me a little bit that they weren't even picking the top six. And I'm sure knowing Will, like I have known him for over 20 years, he used that as a uh, as a point to tell his team to fire him up. And they've kind of played with a chip on their shoulder and have a lot of fun. So it's a brand of baseball, I think, that gets a lot of people excited it reminds you of the Van Horn style um, baseball where, you know, it wasn't, you know, they, they just played with a lot of toughness and uh, they, they forced the issue. And so it, it's fun to see. And I think they got another great chance this weekend to take care of business at Michigan State. They get Rutgers and Lincoln for the red-white game weekend. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll see a few more people in that stadium each week as the restrictions hopefully get loosened. And um, they've got a really good chance here. Uh, to set themselves up to get one of those regional hosting spots that will be announced here in a few weeks. 
couple of big series that they've got in the next uh, two weeks, uh, two to three game series, one against Michigan State, the other against Rutgers. How big are these two series for Nebraska, especially considering that final seven-game stretch of the year, which is absolutely brutal? It's going to be a big test, a gauntlet. Indiana, Ohio State, Indiana, Ohio State, a four-game weekend, and then a three-game series against Michigan that could very well be for the Big Ten regular season title. Well, yeah, minimum, they've got to go four and two, but I think you'd really like to see five and one over these six games. Just by the way, Nebraska's played against the lower competition. I mean, yeah, sure, we all like to say 6-0, and but that's hard to do. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, Iowa blew a huge lead on Sunday to lose to Rutgers. Otherwise, Iowa would have swept Rutgers all four games. Um, and, you know, one pitching error, snafu, you could you could easily drop a game in the Big Ten. So, um, But if they could somehow get 5-1 and one out of those six games, and, and that would put them at, what, 23-7, and seven, then they're in a really, really good position. And Michigan's going to start playing some tougher competition as well. Um, but Nebraska has just pulled away with Michigan. Those two teams have put themselves in a great spot. And, and the key is they want to host a regional, and they want to make a regional. I mean, that, I think that, that's got to be your goal. Number one, making it. And then if you can host it, even as a two-seat, uh, the NCAA, um, you don't have to be the one-seat to host this year. So that's why Nebraska has a pretty good chance. Because the NCAA is all about saving money, too. They want to have some of these regionals put in different parts of the country to cut out travel costs. They don't want them all in the SEC. Um, so you'll see some West Coast regionals and some Midwest regionals in there uh, because I think the NCAA ultimately, they're going to want to save a few dollars this year, especially if attendance can't be at 100%. Yeah, and you bring up Nebraska playing you would say lower competition, but they're taking care of business against lower competition, which is exactly what they need to do to find themselves in this first place spot. So we'll transition over to spring football as we're entering, I believe, either week four or five. And correct me if I'm wrong, but yes, week four. Um, yeah, week four. Open practice last Saturday. Grant and I were able to attend. Um, I don't know about you, Sean, but you can tell us that. And um, just kind of your overall reactions to the practice. What things were you looking for specifically, and what things either disappointed you or impressed you on Saturday? Yeah, you don't want to overreact to a practice, but sometimes it's easy to overreact to what you get to see because you the first practice that we've got to watch under Scott Frost in four years. Think about that, and um, you know that most coaches have allowed over the years a chance to go and see a practice here and there. And so to get in there, that was good to see. I think number one, the wide receiver position, top to bottom, markedly better. Omar Manning, as we know, if he can play like that, he's going to be uh, one of the better receivers Nebraska's had in a while. And I think Samari Torrey could be up there. And Xavier Betts will make a big jump. Will Nixon look good. You go down the line, Oliver Martin. I mean, they have so many options. I mean, it's, it's really what we thought the receiver position was going to do last year. We thought that between Fleming and Manning and Nixon and Alante Brown, they would come in and kind of solve the world's problems. And that didn't happen last year for a lot of reasons. Manning had his own issues and Alante Brown, you know, kind of played behind Wandell in that role. And Oliver Martin had just gotten here. They didn't really know what he could do. Will Nixon gets hurt. Marcus Fleming gets mad because, he thought he could just miss practices and still play. and uh, They told him no, and he transferred. So they had so many things go wrong um, with that receiver group last year. But I think finally you're seeing them repair that position. And that was good to see. Uh, the quarterback position, I think we're all in the same boat. 
Martinez is the clear number one. There's no doubt about that. But the questions are number two. Smothers, you know, what we got to see, I don't think anybody would say, wow, this guy is the number two quarterback for Nebraska. He's got it locked up. I mean, Harburg has got a stronger arm. He's bigger. Um, you know, he's got more tools, but he still doesn't know what he's doing either. So that's that's the big storyline. Would, would they look at a transfer quarterback? Nobody really knows that. Um, running back, really hard to read running back in this spring practice because all those guys were out. Uh, no um, Step, no Ramir Johnson, no um, Sevion Morrison. So you didn't get a really good look. I thought Ronald Tompkins ran well, looked you know healthier than we've seen, um, and that was promising. Marvin Scott was Marvin Scott. I hadn't seen anything that really changed too much my opinion on him. So we'll see kind of where that goes. Then Jacques Yanta walk-on is getting a lot of opportunities going to be one of those spring surprise guys that I think people will keep tabs on now. Um, defensively, just a broad takeaway was that's a deep unit. It's experienced, and it looked that way. Um, they had the upper hand in a lot of the team, team scrimmage situations, and so I thought that was positive, and you know, they should. I mean, this is a group that has played with Eric Chenander now four years. Uh, I've the coaches for that long, and it's been a long time since Nebraska has done that on defense, so um, I just think they look like they're on the same page, and, and that's going to be a group that plays well this year. You know, one of the things Scott Frost talked about going into this last week, and it was something I asked uh, Dirk about kind of indirectly uh, when we had Dirk Chatlin on a week ago, was, you know, what was the motivation for doing this event? Where was it coming from? Was it fan engagement? Uh, you know, was it something the admin brought on? Did Coach Frost want to do it? And I think we know after a couple of days after I, we recorded with Dirk, uh, Coach Frost at a press conference, and he said, you know, there's a reason why we're doing this, and he hinted at recruiting, and, of course, the dead period opens up on June the 5th. Uh, but is, it, is that something you've been able to gauge? What, what level of recruiting uh, ground did Nebraska make up? Who was able to come? Was there anyone there um, on, on the recruiting front? Yeah, there, there were a handful of prospects at, at the practice. Not a ton. Um, but, yeah, that, that, I mean, let's face it, guys. Sure, you could say, oh, it's great to engage the fans, get them in the program, yada, yada, yada. No, I mean, the practice was open for recruiting. I mean, they wanted recruits to at least get in the building and, and, and be a part of it. And now they couldn't talk to them, they couldn't invite them, they couldn't even know that they were there, really, other than if the kids reached out to them. Um, so that was that's tough, but that's why the practice is open, uh, to, to get kids here. And, and then the May 1st red-white game will be huge. But, yeah, June 1... They get, they get out of the debt period and go into the evaluation period, or um, I guess it's called the quiet period, but you can have camps, and that's going to change a lot. The biggest new rule on June 1 is any day prospects come to your campus now during the um, June period, you can work them out for an hour. So it doesn't even have to be a camp. It doesn't have to be Friday Night Lights. It doesn't have to be a quarterback camp or a lineman camp. If you could only make it to Lincoln, Nebraska on June 13th, you're going to get your own workout on June 13th with Nebraska coaches, and they'll tape you and watch you and, you know, get a chance to evaluate you. So that's a, that's a new rule, and I think the NCAA is respecting the fact that all these camps are going to be on the same days at a lot of places. So kids have to make really tough choices to get to places. So they're going to allow kids opportunities to work out the entire month of June yeah, it's real similar to basketball. In basketball, you always hear stories of coaches going into these high schools and 
working out guys or watching guys work out um, in their gyms uh, with their Division One prospect. And you'll get to see that at least on college campuses when kids come on there, um, no matter if it's a camp or not a camp. And going back to those kind of like somebody fresh right off the recruiting trail is Heinrich Harburg. One of the quarterbacks we saw in action on Tuesday, he's one that personally caught my eye more than I expected that that he would, and uh, he 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 can sling the rock pretty far. So, what are what are your initial reactions, Sean, about how he can play and where he can fall in this quarterback depth chart going forward? Well, he's got a live arm, and no one's going to contest that. I mean, he, he's got great genetic bloodlines. His dad was a walk-on fullback at Nebraska. Rod Harburg, his mother, was a track athlete at Oklahoma State. So he's got Division One genes on both ends of, of him, and um, you, you can just see it all. And He's got some traits you just can't teach um, with his arm talent and the way he throws the football. He's worked very hard at it. I first heard about Harburg as a sophomore, and I remember I went to Kearney to interview him and meet him, and, and he was just a gangly, skinny, awkward sophomore in high school. But he had tools. He was a state, I believe he qualified for state in the high jump. And, uh, he could run and do just things that you didn't typically see at that age for his size. But a lot of people still question him to me being a prospect. I remember going to Kearney and telling some people around town, yeah, hey, I'm going to go see Harbor at Kearney Catholic. I'm like, oh, really? Really? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, he's a to watch. And so it's always funny. Sometimes you could have, like, major Division One prospect in these smaller communities. And a lot of people in the community don't even realize what they have. And I think you saw it more this year. He almost took Kearney Catholic to the state finals. Um, they were they were beat um, in the semis, but um, had an outstanding year. Um, I think they lost two games to Adams Central and St. Paul. Um, they beat Adams Central earlier in the year and lost in the playoffs. So he, he, he had a really good career, really good season didn't have the talent as far as receivers that he's going to have now. And I think that's the difference. You're seeing, you know, what he can do with the receivers around him. He's just got to learn the offense and, and get comfortable and, and learn the game. But by August, he could be the number two. It's not out of the question. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. Yeah, he, he was someone who I really enjoyed actually watching during the spring uh, practice, you know, every now and then a majority of the Husker fans had their eyes over towards the ones and two side of the field. And, I was checking out that that threes and four side, and and you know he was taking his lumps. He had a couple of bad, uh, you know, snaps he dropped and had to dive on a couple of balls. But he had some throws in this, you know, that he really showed off some uh, certainly significant arm power for a freshman. And so quickly, just wanted to run down uh, this this piece you did last last week before the spring practice on the five things to watch. I just kind of wanted to get your reaction for how they panned out quickly here. So. Uh, the first one was Logan Smothers versus Heinrich Harburg. We kind of touched on it a little bit. I kind of thought Smothers was a little bit disappointing in some ways. Um, but your thoughts on that battle, again, we just hashed it over a little bit, so don't need to spend a whole lot of time there if you don't yeah, want to. Yeah, I mean, to. our arm talent uh, in terms of strength, Harburg has the better arm. I think the hard thing to gauge that open practice was the quarterbacks obviously can't be hit. Or, you know, it's really hard to gauge running. So until we see Smothers run, you really don't know um, kind of what, what he's going to look like. And both guys, actually, I think on QB design run plays, it's hard to tell, obviously, when you're not on the field hearing what they're calling. Uh, but both guys had a couple of pretty nice spurts that I remember. 
uh, from that practice. Smothers specifically did have a really good little quick step. Uh, second question you had going in, will anyone jump out at the running back position? That area is still pretty murky, but Jacquez Yant really uh, came into play in, in a lot of ways in terms of his size that really surprised a lot of people. Yeah, what you don't know is when everybody's back healthy, what will those reps look like? I mean, I, I've seen over the years so many times where you can overreact in the spring and, and annoying a guy like this, and then you'll never, ever hear from him again. Uh, it doesn't mean the guy's not a good player. It just means that they, they're not on a plan. I mean, one of the recent years was King Frazier. He was a running back that walked on out of Kansas City just wasn't going to get a look. He transferred to North Dakota State and started on a national championship team at North Dakota State. Um, you know, there was another spring star running back years ago, showing my age here. Uh, his name was Chris Butler. Couldn't get on the field at Nebraska, but I, I believe he had at least two or three 100-yard spring games at Nebraska. Never got on the field. He transferred and ended up being a starter at Auburn, if memory serves me correct. So, you get kind of random stories of guys that are walk-ons that emerge. Probably the one that always sticks out to me that you know ended up being a walk-on that you know emerged in spring was Stuart Bradley. He ended up being an NFL third, fourth-round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe, played in the senior bowl. But he was a walk-on, and it was Bo Pelini's first year as defensive coordinator in '03. So it was almost 20 years ago, but in his spring. He was just killing guys. I mean, just crushing guys and made a name for himself where slowly but surely you know, he became a, a high-round NFL player um, and you know, made his name in the spring. So you can have guys like that that come out of the spring. Luke Reimer is a walk-on that's kind of made a name for himself that way and Brandon Riley a couple years back. Um, so it, it, you get a, some of those stories. It's hard to do, um, but Yant's getting an opportunity. He's got to take advantage of it. One other thing you mentioned, uh, the third thing of five, was uh, upgraded talent at wide receiver. That was something that a lot of people came out obviously talking about Omar Manning, and <clears throat> rightfully so. I mean, his his practice was fantastic. Uh, but a guy that I saw that was really interesting to me was Oliver Martin, who I thought had a pretty good practice, and a guy who didn't make a whole lot of impact last spring, or last season. But what is he shaping up for uh, for 2021-22? Well, keep in mind, Oliver Martin – was a part of nothing last summer at Nebraska. He got to Lincoln and started classes in August. That was how his career started. And Nebraska wouldn't even really confirm anything about him joining the team. It was a, a weird story to even track him transferring here. And so the, the way I reported and broke that story was I, I looked him up in the student directory one night. And I'll be damned, Oliver Martin was in the directory as a student at Nebraska, and we reported that he transferred to Nebraska and was enrolled in classes, um, you know, that he wasn't on the roster yet, but it was very under the radar. But this is a four-star recruit that played legitimate snaps at Michigan and Iowa. So to get this kid for free for a year the way they did, and then they just plugged him in. He didn't know the plays. He was playing scout team. And then they, they ruled him eligible, the NCAA, and – all of a sudden, he was starting the final four games of the year. Now he's trained in Lincoln. He knows the plays. He knows the offense. And you're going to see him make a huge jump. And you know, He's a 4-4 guy, 40-inch vertical. I mean, unbelievable athletic talent. And, you know, you're talking about him just probably being the number 
maybe the number three receiver, number four receiver on this team right now. It's really hard to say, you know, he could be the two. I mean, could be the one. I mean, I think that's the beauty of this group. There's a lot of, uh, you know, versatility with all these guys that, that could take over in any moment. And now the fourth thing on that list of five things to watch here is one of the phases of the game that Nebraska has really struggled with the past couple of years, which is special teams. And that's an important phase of the game that you want to try and win every single time you go out on Saturday. So what is the different approach this season? What is Scott Frost and the rest of the, the crew doing to change the struggles on that end of the game and maybe even get a win out of having that special teams upper hand? Yeah, they've done their best to ramp it up. And, I mean, you can't really blame anybody other than Scott Frost. He's the head coach. He chose the approach that they've had, and it's not going well. And it's cost Nebraska games. They're not good enough to make those kinds of mistakes on special teams and win. And um, I, I think you're going to see that area improve. Mike Dawson with Bill Bush assisting a little bit even in these guys care. They're not going to let things slide. So um, you're, you're going to see, to me, more starters across the board. I felt like special teams was almost being used in some respects as a placeholder to either play lower-level scholarship guys that you wanted to play or maybe some disgruntled guys that, like Kate, Kate Warner was covering kicks last year wasn't playing receiver anymore, and all of a sudden he's covering kickoffs late in the year as a disgruntled captain. And, you know, he's trying to tackle Aaron Crookshank. I mean, some, just some of the personnel decisions on special teams, I think, played, played a part of it. But their approach and practice played a part of it, too. And I think that's going to change and hopefully improve. And now moving on to the fifth and final thing on that list, the secondary of this Husker defense. We obviously know a lot of starters returning this year for the Susker defense, but who do you, Sean, is jumping out at the corner position, and who should we take a take a look out for? Obviously, we have the names such as Cam Taylor, Britt, and people like that, but who's really catching your eye? Well, we actually learned that at Monday's practice. I asked Travis Fisher that very question. Uh, Quentin Newsom has emerged right now today as the leader for the other spot. Now, Braxton Clark is limited from injury, so he's still in the mix. Don't count him out. Adab Joseph's still there. And I think the key is Travis Fisher wants to play as many guys as possible. He joked that he doesn't necessarily have a one and a two. He feels like he's got a 1.5 group where he reps those guys with the ones and the twos both um, to make sure um, everybody's getting a really good look. And he knows what Deontay and Cam and this Markel Smute can do. So I think he's really trying to work as many different guys with those top units and uh, you know, Braxton Clark, when he's back, will make a big difference, too. Omar Manning was a big question mark last year. We saw him get into practice on Saturday. He dressed, and, I mean, he showed out. He, he was catching every single jump ball that was thrown his way. He was outrunning his defenders. I mean, he is just a beast at 6'4", 225. So if he can stay healthy and keep off the field issues away from him, how important is it going to be for whoever's under center when it comes to the fall, how is important is how important is it going to be for him to be on the field for the Huskers? Well, yeah, I mean he's he's a guy that can win the fifty-fifty ball. I still think Samari Tori can be as good or better. Um, I almost felt like they kept him under wraps during the team session, um, but I think Tori and Manning together that could be as good of a one-two potentially as Nebraska's had in a while. I mean, they, 
I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because they had some NFL-level receivers there with Kenny Bell and Brandon Riley and Quentin, uh, Quincy Inunua and you had Mornay Pearsonell, Brandon Riley, or I'm, I'm uh, missing a lot of more. I mean, there were some guys that could play that were here not that long ago that were all NFL. So I'm not going to say that those guys are at that level until they prove it. Um, but, you know, they need receivers like that again to win. And I think we almost took that receiver talent for granted that you just thought everybody could play at that level and do it. And, and I think we realized really quick, you know, how much you need good receivers. And it, it appears Nebraska has that again, and they need to keep keep pushing that. So, Sean, you know, as we get ready, uh, we wind things down uh, here. You know, we have about a couple of weeks left in spring. What's the biggest thing you're looking forward to, you know, to seeing – for the rest of the way? Is, is there something that you're like, man, I really hope that we get this question answered, or uh, I really hope we get some more news on this between now and May 1st? Mm, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to, guys, is seeing people again, like a crowd at the stadium. Uh, just thinking about the last time a full, and it won't be full as we know, but over 30,000 will be there at that game. They can have up to 42, I think. Um, but just that in itself, to me, is a big mile marker for the state. That will be the largest public gathering since COVID-19. Um, so when I look at like that day, to me, I'm more interested in just the historical prevalence of the day for what it means to the state of Nebraska um, to reflect on the year that everyone's gone through and how everybody you know, has been you know, something that we've all taken for granted and, and, and loved to do was taken away from us. And that was attending football games at Memorial Stadium. So that that's my biggest thing, honestly. But, you know, yeah, I, I want to see the receivers more and the quarterbacks more and more running back. But And, and just see it, keep everybody healthy. I mean, that's the key. You, you don't want to see anybody get hurt in the red-white game. and You want to see them finish out strong um, going into the summer months here. All right, well, that'll wrap our – Session up with Sean Callahan. We really appreciate you coming on to talk some Husker football with us. You can find Sean on Twitter at Sean underscore Callahan, and you can find all of his Husker-related work at Husker Online and uh, Rivals. So keep up to date with all of his stuff. Thanks so much for coming on, Sean. Uh, We really appreciate it, and we hope to uh, talk to you soon here as the spring moves on. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, Great job, great show, and uh, we'll talk again. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks so much. All right, that was Sean Callahan on Husker Sports Weekly. So glad to have him on, give his thoughts about Nebraska spring football and the open practice and the upcoming spring game. Um, and that'll be a lot of fun, as you mentioned. Seeing a lot of people in the stands for the first time yes. in a while. And Huge. it's going to be a historical, historical day. And uh, it's, it's going to be a, a really you know, fun I, day. I'm going to be honest. I'm really glad he said that personally because I, I didn't even think about that. Like, I really didn't. Like, the fact that... This is going to be the largest gathering in Nebraska. Well, I guess since the Chucky Hepper and Hunter Salas game, but it's going to be that <laughs> times like five times ten. It you will know? be. Um, so they, I mean, I, I didn't even think about that, and that's kind of sad to me actually <laughs> that it's like, you know, that it's been that long since again, like like Sean said, like stuff that we've taken for granted. One of the things that has been one of the most uniting parts of the state's culture. Uh, it's just not been a thing for a whole year, and so I, I'm I'm really excited actually to be part of that. It's gonna be my first spring game, which is crazy actually oh, to say out really? loud. Um, 
But I'm surprised by that. I am also surprised <laughs> when I say that out loud. But I'm I'm excited, um, and I think largely largely it is my first spring game because I took it for granted. Um, but yeah, man, that was some really good stuff from Sean. And so, um, yeah, we're winding down somehow with spring ball already, which yeah, it's mind blown. It's crazy. Spring balls winded down the semester for us students are winding down as well. And as an outsider from the Lincoln air, not from the Lincoln area, I should say, um, very excited to get in the Memorial for that spring game should be a lot of fun. Just a very coming together type day for the Lincoln community and the state of Nebraska or the bordering states too, if you want to come over from Iowa, South I mean, Dakota. if you want to, I'm, like, oh, I'm I mean, not going to stop boy, This isn't an invitation, but we're not going to like, like you at the border. I mean, if you want to do like some scouting, you know, see what's coming your way. If, yeah, if you're if you're an Might Iowa scout, you're you should probably stay away. But be gone. Other than that, you you can come to the spring game. But well, while we're on that topic, you know, anything you know, your thoughts for the spring game? Anything that uh, we didn't hit on that, or from the spring practice, anything we didn't hit on? Or I mean, I I was able to to ask Sean the majority of the the points that I wanted to. Um, I know we've talked about this post-practice in between Saturday and now, and we're recording this on, on Monday night, Monday evening. Uh, April 19th. But, I mean, just the continued QB questions, I know I've, I've made it pretty obvious that I think Har- Heinrich Harburg was the most impressive, to me at least, on yes, Saturday. I don't I know about agree. you. Um, but, I, mean, and, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's excluding Adrian, I think, from right. the conversation for me. And, but between the two, between the three, mm-hmm. I guess you got Matt Masker too. And, I mean – that was really the first look I've ever gotten to see Omar Manning, whether that's in right. person, video, pictures, right. whatever. I mean, the man is, and I won't say the kid because the man is right. a beast. He is. He he's bigger than any cornerback that he will go up against all year. He can win 50-50 balls, as Sean said earlier in the episode. And I mean, he's he's just a monster out there. He's yeah. the, one of the biggest receivers, if not the biggest receiver. I have ever seen out there, and seeing him all the way on the outside on the sideline is a scary sight. Yeah, yeah. No, Husker Twitter definitely going berserk uh, over him on Saturday, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I don't think I saw him drop a ball. Uh, I didn't think I saw him lose a 50-50 battle. He might have had one time that, like, there was maybe one time a ball was thrown to him and it went incomplete. And I think it's like, because it wasn't near him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, again, like, I'm, like, I didn't see a whole lot of Samaitori. Like, like Sean was saying, yeah. we haven't even seen Marquis step yet. So, again, like, I feel like we come back to the same point over and over and over again every spring where it's like, man, oh, oh, this can be the Drink year. Drink the Kool-Aid. Got a lot of potential. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, potential is by far not even close. Like, it is the world's greatest unused resource. And so, it, you know, listen, I like talking about spring ball as much as the next guy. But if it doesn't make it to the fall, it doesn't count. That's true. So but. that that is that is where I would say about Omar to be cautiously optimistic. On the other side, Omar's definitely a guy who likes attention. You can you can tell. And I think and this is me reading into it, reading into the tea leaves. I think he's got a lot of negative potentially attention at times in his life and on Saturday it was a absolute ton of positive attention so i think i think it was good for him um and i think for the fans i think it was you know therapeutic for both to get acquainted with each other 
like they did on Saturday. So that was something I really enjoyed seeing. And then one other thing was uh, right after, right at the end of the practice, there was a couple of really cool moments between Coach Frost and uh, and his son, actually his kids in general. Um, so that was something that was really cool. Can't totally put it into words. It was just pretty cute uh, and humanizing. Moment. Very wholesome. Very so, wholesome. Some some wholesome content for for whatever you you're scrolling through Twitter, Instagram, whatever. If you're listening to us, right? If you are, less criticism, more more wholesome content. But uh, speaking of spring ball, that actually matters at least for this year in a very weird season. Um, Husker volleyball, they unfortunately fell to Texas, the fourth seed in the NCAA volleyball tournament. Today at the CHI Health Center in four sets. So their season comes to an end in uh, a pretty disappointing fashion. I mean, they were close in every single set that they played in. It was by no means right. a blowout. But obviously, you wanted the Huskers to try and at least make it to the Final Four. They probably would have ran into Wisconsin. That game is actually going on as we speak right now. Yes. But um, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate way for the Husker season to end. But... Despite the weird year, they still had a very successful year. Right. I mean, you know, any other program would be overjoyed to get to the Elite Eight, let alone to get to the Elite Eight 12 years in a row, right? I mean, Um, the blue blood of volleyball. They are in so many ways, one of of several. Um, So is it unfortunate? Yes. I mean, supremely unfortunate. Um, the problem for them was just ended up being they just didn't have the blocks. They just did not have the blocks today to answer uh, to answer against uh, against Texas. They just didn't. And you had Stiverance hurt. Uh, Riley Zoon obviously was out, so Jazz Sweet is back playing the right side. And you know, good for Jazz. I'm glad Jazz was able to win that position back. But you could see at different times throughout the game. Jazz had her moments, certainly, but there are also times where you could see, okay, I can see why Coach Cook had taken Jazz out, who she'd been a staple for so long. But you could also see why, okay, this is the area where Riley Zoon was having more success uh, this year. So that was unfortunate. And I, I just think in a lot of ways, yeah, you look at it, you're 17 and 3, 16 and 3, but like you look back on this year and you think, man, this team, if there wasn't COVID, if the team had been able to play a normal fall schedule, if the team had been able to play anything close to normal, uh, you know what what could have this could this team have produced? Um, so, yeah, that that's definitely tough. But they'll be back. Uh, they'll be able to. You know, I, I don't expect all of a sudden things to just suddenly fall off a cliff. And they they put together by far the number one recruiting class in the country. All those freshmen we're going to get to see next fall in front of fans at the Devaney Center. So future certainly bright. And a pretty solid season for the program. And get ready for a loud Devaney Center this coming fall. Should be a lot of fun. I'm I'm very excited to go very to the game. Very excited. Very um, excited. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of talent in this upcoming freshman class. Yeah, so, as Grant said, John Cook and company not going anywhere anytime soon. As as you mentioned, those 12 straight Elite Eight appearances, which is highly impressive. Indeed. So. More spring ball that actually matters, or that actually counts, I should say, not actually matters because yes. all that matters. But Husker baseball, we touched on this briefly with Sean in the beginning of the episode. 18 and 6, first in the Big Ten, coming off of a sweep against Penn State, and they have won 13 of their last 15 games. Impressive. Uh, gritty, not pretty, I, I guess. Uh, that's certainly what this series <laughs> over the weekend was. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. Okay, so. Things about this weekend. Visually, painful. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Penn State, 
Fix your stream. I please. I am just totally confused about how those cameras are still a thing. <clears throat> so there's that. Uh, but honestly, the play on the field was not that much better. Like Saturday, Nebraska definitely put the whooping on Penn State that they should have put on them. But Friday, I mean, I like I just. I don't know how they got out of Friday. Like, Friday was a lot closer than the scoreboard said. Nebraska kind of finally woke up at the end and then just barely just sneaking by uh, in the game on Sunday. You know, Penn State under 500, but they're also a team that, you know, almost took two of three from Michigan. So, That's true. That's I mean, true. You know, they're a team that they're not terrible, mm-hmm. um, but – could have been a lot better, I think, over the weekend. And now you turn your attention to Michigan State and a team that isn't going to be easier than the team you faced last week. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, I mean, if the Huskers <laughs> can get through these next three games, either taking two or three or sweeping, two two straight sweeps, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, that would put them at a whopping 21-6. and six. Yes. I would certainly take that. <laughs> you would certainly take that. I would, that. too. I think all of Husker Nation would certainly take that, but and you certainly certainly should be. I mean, you're you're currently already in the running to host a regional. Uh, you, you should be in a very very good position at that point to host it. And again, like Nick Henley uh, from Omaha has said, you know, your issues with getting ranked or winning the Big Ten or hosting a regional are all solved by just keep winning games. Just, yeah, just win. Just keep winning. Take care of business. Right. I mean, yeah, I. It doesn't matter if they're they're low level competition or their strength of schedule isn't that good. If you're beating the bad teams, which you should be doing, I mean, you're obviously doing something right now. The the last seven games, as you mentioned earlier, should be uh, a, a real big test to see how good this team really is. I think the thing that I was the most pleased with this last weekend was the performance of the starting pitchers because you're you're going to be hitting a several three game series. You're not going to have to have Bun start for a little bit here. Uh, and so I was, I was really pleased with the performance Povich had. I was really pleased with the performance Roach had, uh, and I was really pleased with the performance Shoneman had. That's I, that's the first time I've said that this year that all three yeah. starting pitchers all had quality starts that went about six innings, generated strikeouts, and held the teams that they're facing under three runs. That was something that I was really really happy to see. So. I like that a lot, and again, you know, if Nebraska does get a deep run of any kind on once we come to playoff time for collegiate baseball, you know, we've talked about the bullpen a lot this year and how kind of inconsistent it is at times, and it's true, it is. With the exception of Schwellenbach, it is inconsistent, but there's so many arms in that bullpen that if you were to make a College World Series run or a run in general in any of these regional sets, you have enough pitching that you could probably outlast several teams in the amount of arms you have available in that bullpen. Yeah, and something we've talked about that on, on the show before is trying to avoid shootouts, especially when it comes to playing teams like Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, or whatever regional you're put in. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I can completely agree with you. This is the first time I could really say that all three starting pitchers have put out and they're fairly need that. solid outings. because. Povich is is usually pretty consistent with how good he is. I mean, we saw him get roughed up a little bit at Illinois, but that was late in his start. Um, but either it's it's either uh, Shannon will have his day or Roach will have his day, or, and yeah. it's either one or the other is going to do well, and one or the other is going right. to struggle. But right. if those two can can really get consistent like Povich and, and Shannon's become more consistent right. as the years gone on, like I, I he's had a, I think he's had maybe like one bad start in the last like four. 
I, you know, that's positive. I mean, he said three straight pretty quality starts. You know, his Sunday start against uh, Maryland a couple of weeks ago was just great, just so good. Uh, and, and so that, that's that been big, I think, for Nebraska, and it certainly will be a big indicator for, you know, the remainder of the season. You know, and certainly they, they haven't been bad all, all right. year. Like, they, they've struggled at times, but that's going to happen, especially when you play in a major conference like the Big Ten. So um, it's just kind of the bumps and bruises of the season. Huskers 18-6, and six, which is uh, pretty pleasant, as I will agree with, with what Sean had to say. Did not think they would be 18-6 and six at this point. No. Didn't no. think they'd be top six. I thought was... they'd be good. I, you know, I thought they'd be top five. Uh, but, man, top not, of the Big Ten good. and 18-6, and six, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased with that. Yeah, so as long as they keep it up, I mean, that can maybe make up for the lost volleyball head today, which was – as, as we said, very, very disappointing. Um, and Grant is signaling to me that he wants to move on to a sport that's played in the winter, which is basketball. And this is something I'm very excited about. Yeah. Keon Edwards, the brand-new addition to the Nebraska ball roster, transferring from my beloved DePaul Blue Demons. And so lost him, but got him back. So he's a, a six foot seven four star ranked 22nd in the class of 2021. Worlds collide. With Bryce McGowans. I'm very excited about this kid. He's already experienced a college season because DePaul didn't play their first game until after Christmas, and he was an early enrollee. So he experienced the entire thing. So he's coming to Nebraska. He already has college experience. He will be a true freshman this coming yes. year. To, very to me, excited. that is by far oh, it's huge. the biggest value that he provides. You know, I mean, he could be able to – he's probably going to be a bench guy, I would imagine. Uh, and you would assume that Bryce McGowns is probably going to be a one-and-done. Maybe if he doesn't have as successful as a year as he thinks he needs to have, you know, maybe things change. Uh, but, you know, Edwards would certainly be able to be there right behind him to step up and fill that role. Uh, man, like, it, that is a huge, huge get. Something I did not expect. A great Saturday morning present. And again, small world, you know, small world, Carter Clark. Uh, yeah, very small world. And uh, this is a guy, and I sound like uh, Chris Collinsworth here, but here, no, <laughs> here's, here's a guy, guy. He averaged 17 points a game in high school, averaged seven rebounds on top of that. So he's a 6'7 guy. And he, he's very similar to how Bryce McGowan's can play because he's a taller guard, but he can play down low. He can play up top. He can handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. He can get rebounds for it. He can be a good facilitator when you need him to be. So pairing him, and, and this is going to be <laughs> a tall team for for Fred Hoiberg in, in year three already, which is nuts. But you're going to have a 6'9 Delano Banton. You're going to have a 6'7 Bryce McGowan. You're going to have a 6'7 Keon Edwards. You're going to have a 6'10 Eduardo Andre. You're going to have a 6'8 Derek Walker. Brydenbach. And, and, and Brydenbach, 6'9". Right, and it's, Japanese. It's, it's not like Curry. yeah, I mean, and it's not like it's not like Trey is like short. I mean, he's like what six four. Right, and the you're bringing that guy in short Xavier. guy. I mean, oh yeah, CJ Wilcher. Right, CJ Wilcher. He's a good shooter. There's so much talent in theory. In this, theory, it's going to be a deep team. Yeah, you would think deep. Um, it should be. That's assuming nobody else transfers. I, at this point, I would ass- I would assume the transferring is done. I would uh, hope so. Transferring away. Uh, I would assume as well. I don't think Thor's going to come back. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and, and you know he's 
He's ran his race here. He's done his service to the, <laughs> the, the Nebraska really fan base. Uh, so if he wants to stay in Iceland, like that's, uh, I mean, good for him. I, you know, he's. It might be time for him to start the next chapter of his life if that's something he wants to do. Um, Shemai Stevenson, maybe. I don't I'm, know. I'm leaving. I don't think he'll leave. Maybe. I don't. I don't, think, I don't know. We'll know here soon. I think. I think we'll know in the next week or two. Yeah. Uh, what each of those guys' intentions are, um, but if Stevenson comes back, I mean, that's another ten. That's like a tenth guy, eleventh guy that I you mean, can. He's shown flashes of athletic ability. Right. I mean, and I, I'm not saying he would be like tenth or eleventh, I guess, in order, but it's a tenth or eleventh guy that total can, that, can that can earn minutes for you. Right, and that's um, something that, at, at least since Fred Hoiberg has gotten here, the basketball team struggled with is getting right. that many guys on the floor at a time. I mean, they were playing with. I know this was before Fred. I, this is kind of counteracting my point here. But in the, when when Tim Miles was coaching in, in the Big Ten tournament, they had, what, seven scholarship guys mm-hmm. available? And I know that was a weird circumstance. But, like, you you probably play seven guys, maybe eight max in Hoiberg's first two years. And now you have 10 or 11 at your disposal that can touch the floor and give you quality minutes. That's that's a game changer, especially for a guy who's coaching the NBA, who's coached at Iowa State and has – Tremendous success there. Yes. So, yep. and I and I think Fred Hoiberg and his NBA connections are really paying off for him right now. I, I would agree, especially in the transfer portal, because I mean, it's only going to get worse. I think if if that's a negative for people, and I haven't decided if it's a negative for me, but with with the change to the extra year that you get, uh, I think you get a one freebie transfer yes, now because Brad Davison's going back to Wisconsin, right? Well, no, I think you get a freebie transfer, as in you can oh. transfer and not have to sit out. Um, I think you only get one, though. Right. You only they're, get trying one to, they're trying to clamp down on the transfer portal because it's absolutely ridiculous. I will I will say that there's still so is. many players. I, mean, I think it's going to get worse, like I said, not better. Uh, but, you know, guys want a free pass to the NBA, I think, in a lot of ways. Guys who think they're talented, um, and most of them are, severely so. Um, and I think... To a certain extent, Coach Hoiberg can provide that connection um, for a lot of guys. And so that's big, I think, in so many ways. Um, I, you know, yeah, it could shape up. We'll see. And I think, you know, like the biggest thing that is probably the most underrated, this is going to be the first time that Coach Hoiberg has had a, a summer, like a full summer. Right. Like just period. Um, because he had the first summer, he had just been hired from uh, to replace Miles. So none of the guys he had, he had coached before. He was hired around this time of year. Right. Um, last summer, COVID. So this this will be his first summer where he's had, okay, these are guys I've already coached through a basketball season in the Big Ten, and now I get I get to go take them through whatever summer program he wants to handle. So that that, that I think that has a lot of value. And, and speaking of a free pass to the NBA, and I know that this isn't really Nebraska-related specifically, but I will applaud Chet Holmgren for going to college, at least, and then everybody knows he's going to be a one-and-done at Gonzaga. Right. But he didn't go to the G League. Mm-hmm. And personally, I'm not a fan of that whole G League thing. I'd rather see these guys play in college, even if it's just for a year. So I will say I will applaud Chet Holmgren. G League um, robs the fans, I think, right. in a lot of ways. And and for him, a, a seven foot one guy who can play virtually any position on the floor, who's already projected to be the 2022 first overall pick, right. which is absurd. He's going to a college. He's playing with Hunter Salas, so I yes. guess there's your Nebraska. Oh, I can't wait to see that or connection. 
that'll be yeah, that'll be super fun to watch. Um, let's pray that they can play Wisconsin maybe at all. Who knows? That sounds fun. Play some Chucky Heckburn. Yeah, I, that'll be cool. Nikon, please. Maybe. Maybe we can we I can pray all we want, but I'm down. Yeah, back to the to the Hoiberg connection of the NBA. I, I think that's huge. I think I think that's a big selling point for Bryce to come here. I think that's a big selling point for for CJ to come here. I think that's a big selling point for Keon Edwards to come here and CJ's little brother, who's also a five star, very similar to the McGowan situation. I think that could be a huge selling point for his little brother, who is a five star. Right, and, and it's big. Next season is so big for this team in terms of recruiting in the future, because if if Bryce works. You know, if Bryce is totally dominant here, if Bryce has puts Nebraska at 500, you know, I don't know uh, how successful he could be, but it, it paves the way for future success for Nebraska in recruiting. So, so next year's really big in a lot of ways, not only in recruiting from the transfer portal, but just recruiting in general and say, hey, man, oh, if, if Bryce McGowan's did it, you know, Nebraska's a spot where you can handle uh, some of these five-star guys. Uh, yeah, that, that that's big for the brand. I think this next, so this next year's huge in a lot of ways. Yeah, and if Bryce, as you said, if he can be dominant, say score eighteen to twenty a game, I mean that's what these high draft picks are scoring nowadays. I mean that could be huge, and I completely agree with you on the recruiting front too. This is going to be a very big year, and a lot of people are going to expect Hoiberg and company to be around 500-ish. I think that's a realistic prediction. I know we said that at the beginning of this year, yeah, which oof. was very wrong. Indeed. But we'll, we'll promise to be better on that front. Took a lot but of lumps. Yes, a lot of lumps. It was a long season, weird season. Big Ten was extremely good this year, and I think that's also another big thing that we should touch on. It's not going to be as good. Like It's, it's the Big Ten. It's going to be good no matter what, but it's not right. going to be like – Oh my God! It's historically good. Nobody's ever seen a conference like this ever, except for in the tournament. Yeah, except for there. So <laughs> we'll we'll exclude from what like March nineteenth was that first day. We'll we'll cut it off from there and, and move backwards. But the the league won't be historically good as it was right. this year. Which Michigan will, will take a couple steps back, but for the most part. Will they? Not that many. They have the best recruiting class in the Big Ten. I yeah. believe it's top five nationally. Yeah, the, uh, they won't take a whole lot. But, I mean, everybody else is I mean, going yeah. to be on the struggle bus, I think, a little bit. Ohio State could probably come back okay. Illinois is going to take a few steps back. Michigan State is going to bounce back, I think, with a vengeance. But uh, Yeah, Michigan State has a very good recruiting class. And... You put that with Tom Izzo, who knows how to coach at this level. Dangerous. It's going to be going to be very, very scary when it comes to, to basketball in, in the Michigan State Spartans. But I think that'll do it for us on episode number 40. We had Sean Callahan on to break down some spring football, as well as a little bit of baseball action. We talked about baseball after Sean as well. We talked about a little bit of volleyball and the new addition to Fred Hoiberg and Company's program, which is very exciting. Yes. And I know it's only April, but I can't wait for college basketball to start up again because I'm a huge college basketball fan. And Anytime. Also, also the spring game. I hope they play. I hope they get to play in Europe somewhere. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But we talked about the spring game as well. Um, go buy your tickets. May 1st, 1 p.m. That'll be a great day for the Husker community and just the Nebraska community in general post-COVID as restrictions continue to get lighter and hopefully we'll 
one step back to, to normal and all that good stuff. But don't forget to find our show on Spotify and Anchor.fm. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar. You can also find our show on our website at CornhuskerMedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CornhuskerMedia. You can find Grant at Hanson15 underscore Hanson. Myself at C underscore Clark underscore 27. So we really appreciate if you go give us a look on that platform as well. So once again, thanks so much for tuning into episode 40. And we'll be back with more Husker news updates and just all things Huskers. So we'll see you next week. Go Big Red.